0: And we now will begin with today's midday. The Maryland General Assembly is considering legislation to alter the eligibility requirements for persons seeking to carry concealed weapons. This legislative move follows the Supreme Court ruling last June that determined requiring a person to show a need or reason to secure a license to carry a firearm violated the Second Amendment. Joining me now on Zoom is Delegate Luke Clippinger. He chairs the House Judiciary Committee. He's the Primary sponsor of the bill. Delegate Klippinger, welcome back to midday. Good to talk to you.
1: I'm good to talk to you, too.
0: So, tell us what's in the bill that you are sponsoring uh, concerning concealed carry weapons.
1: So, the legislation that I've introduced does a couple things. It uh, would seek to first, uh, because of the Supreme Court's ruling in Bruin, uh, it it changes the way that we have to regulate concealed carry. And so we've removed the language that the Supreme Court uh, has found to be unconstitutional while at the same time adding uh, some requirements to make sure that people who are on probation, particularly for drunk driving or for domestic violence offenses, make sure that they cannot get wear and carry permits while they're on that period of probation. It also raises the fee for a uh, concealed carry permit in line with what we're able to do constitutionally. And it addresses issues related to the proper storage of firearms to make sure uh, that that kids aren't getting uh, access to firearms.
0: Tell me a little bit more about the storage. Um, as I understand, it won't change the storage law that already is in place that there's a $1,000 fine for anybody who leaves a gun unsecured, but but tell me uh, how the
1: storage part of it would change with your bill. With my bill, a person who, right now you're correct, it's a $1,000 fine and that's it. What we would do in my bill is say that if uh, somebody was found guilty of that offense once, that they would be prohibited from wearing and carrying, effectively concealed carrying a firearm for five years. If the weapon was used to kill or seriously bodily injure another person, then they would be uh, forever prohibited from possession of a regulated firearm. Also, if they had two convictions, they would be uh, forever prohibited from a reg- from possessing a regulated firearm. So, it seeks to put teeth into that into that statute.
0: And you are confident that given the Supreme Court's ruling in the Bruin case that you referenced, uh, which happened last summer, that, that these regulations would not be in conflict with the uh, Supreme Court decision?
1: I don't think that it would be in conflict with the Supreme Court's opinion, and and for a couple reasons. One, if you look at the opinion, uh, Justice Kavanaugh and, and the Chief Justice wrote a separate opinion first to say, we are not throwing out Local regulation of concealed carry laws—that's in their opinion—and second, I believe that there that there is a clear public safety prerogative that we have here at the state to be able to say we want to make sure that these that weapons are kept from kids, that they are not put in uh, in uh, places where kids are likely uh, likely to find them. And I think it's consistent with the overall regulation that the Supreme Court has allowed uh, in the Bruin case.
0: Uh, as I understand it, one of the things in your law would change uh, the uh, language that talks about who's eligible to be issued a concealed carry permit, uh, and the the state police issue these permits right now, I guess the language says adult, and you want to change it to a person who's at least 21 years old. So there is an age limit that is specified in the law now, right? If this passes, that's
1: correct. So we would, we would effectively be raising the age to 21 for people who want to get a wear and carry permit.
0: And, uh, in In terms of uh, mental illness, uh, so-called red flag orders, that sort of thing, uh, are there any uh, parts of this bill that that uh, deal with that dimension?
1: Yes, the uh, we add um, we add to the legislation restrictions on people who are the subject of a red flag law from getting a wear and carry permit. We also make sure that people who are the subject of protective orders cannot get a wear or carry permit um, in Maryland.
0: (laughs) And what do you say to critics who say, look, um, you know, uh, the city of Baltimore, uh, Prince George's County, and cities across the country, not just in Maryland, uh, are experiencing an uptick in violent crime, and uh, the last thing we need to do is impose restrictions on people when it comes to the guns that they are using putatively to protect themselves.
1: I think that one of the things that we need to talk a little bit more about is taking a harder look at whether the great increase in the number of firearms that have gone onto our streets, in part because of recent Supreme Court rulings, haven't driven some of the violence that we've we've seen. We've seen, uh, in in fact, in Maryland, in the last in the last year, we've seen another ninety thousand, or I should say, eighty thousand people who were granted concealed carry permits. And over a hundred thousand people apply for for those permits and for and, and purchase uh, new firearms. There, I believe it's difficult to argue we uh, the the this. It's difficult, I think, to make the argument. Hey, we need to to go after the the illegal guns that are out there, and we're going to do it by allowing people to buy more and more and more and more guns. That in many cases, not in every case, but to be sure, but in a lot of cases, end up in the illegal. Uh, illegal uh, uh, commerce in firearms. So I I think that we have to have a holistic approach, and, and what we're doing, at least in my bill, is trying to do it within the constraints that have been set out by the Supreme Court.
0: So your bill is uh, in the House. What about uh, SB1, uh, which I guess is the companion bill uh, to yours in the Senate? Uh,
1: SB1 uh, was it's It's different in, in a lot of ways. It was introduced prior to the beginning of the legislative session. Uh, that's Senator waltz bill, the vice chair of judicial proceedings. It addresses some of the issues that I've talked about. It also addresses issues related to specifically where you can conceal, bury a firearm, and to the specific places that you can and you can't um, possess a firearm. Uh, that Uh, that legislation right now is in the Judicial Proceedings Committee. I know that they're still working on it. I'm not sure how it's going to look when it fully comes to the floor. I know that I think they voted out one version, but I know there are some amendments that are still being added to it. So we look forward to seeing that legislation when it makes it to the House.
0: In terms of where people uh, are currently allowed and would be allowed uh, to have a firearm, uh, under your legislation, are there places where uh, having a firearm at all for anybody would be disallowed.
1: There's nothing in the legislation that I have dropped regarding to those to what kind of broadly called sensitive places. Um, that is a that's a debate that has been going on in the Senate, and they have been going through um, the p- potential places like government buildings, polling places, uh, uh, schools, places where they have historic analogs. To, or at least to what the Supreme Court has uh, considered historic analogs to, uh, say regulation is appropriate. So we'll take a look at the Senate bill when it comes across and and see what we want to do and whether we want to add anything, on uh, sensitive places from from that bill.
0: And by sensitive places for folks who don't carry you know cover this and and, and follow it uh, particularly acutely. Um, what kinds of sensitive places are we talking about? Churches, those kinds of places.
1: Churches, government buildings, schools, healthcare facilities—I um, think in an initial version that the that uh, Senator Waldstreicher introduced, it would be literally every every place of public accommodation. Um, I think that 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 would obviously cover almost everywhere. Um, and I know that they they have taken steps back from that, and and are looking at the at the places that are are of the greatest concern so that we can make sure that people are not uh, concealed carrying in those places. Uh, other issues that are important here is making sure that people who run businesses, run private establishments, and if they don't want you to be concealed carrying, we want to make sure that, that they have the ability to say, no, we don't want you to, to bring uh, your concealed carry weapon into our, into our location. It's midday. If
0: you've just joined us, I'm Tom Hall. My guest is Delegate Luke Clippinger. He is the House Judiciary Committee Chair, and we're talking about his bill that would uh, impose certain restrictions on concealed carry firearms. So, um, Chairman, um, if a a person uh, currently has a firearm, has a permit, for a concealed carry firearm, but doesn't meet some of the qualifications that you're introducing in this bill. If your bill passes in its current form or something pretty close, uh, a person, as you mentioned, who's convicted of driving under the influence of alcohol, uh, who has a red flag order, uh, or a person who's been involuntarily admitted for more than a month to a facility for a mental disorder, that sort of thing. Would that weapon, then, that, that is currently allowed by the state police be would that permit be revoked
1: the concealed carry permit would be revoked they would have to come back and apply again um, and begin the process uh, all over again again the idea being and we ask the state police in the bill we we change one word from a may to a shall to say that they have to keep track of the people who are who have applied for and have received a concealed carry permit or a wear carry permit uh, to make sure that they still meet the regulations that would be set out in, in the new bill. And that does include, as you mentioned, the people who are on probation for any any crime that has a maximum penalty of a year or more. Uh, but we also add to that drunk driving crimes and crimes uh, for people who have been the victims of, uh, against people who have been the victims of domestic violence.
0: I know you're not a betting man. You'd be shocked to find that gambling was taking place in the House of Delegates. However, uh, what do you think? What's your speculation <laughs> about uh, about you know the chances uh, for this bill and the Senate bill to come together and, and
1: uh, pass? I think it's very good. I think that we know that we have to do something on this issue. The Supreme Court uh, was very clear and said that our previous model of the way we we regulated concealed carry. Uh, which was effectively a subjective way of looking at it as opposed to an objective way. Um, That this subjective way was unconstitutional. I'm not sure that I agree with um, very much of that opinion at all, but this is where we are, and we have a responsibility to public safety to make sure that we have a clear set of regulations on the books with regard to people who want to concealed carry. Um, And so that's what we're going to do, and I think that we'll be able to finish it here in the next four weeks.
0: I know I got to let you go but let me ask you briefly uh, to give us an update on the uh, recreational cannabis legislation you're the chair of the work group that's been working on that. Uh, I understand that there's a second reading
1: that's on the floor uh, as we speak. There there was just before I got on this phone call with you the uh, the bill moved from second reading to third reading. Uh, The chair of the Economic Matters Committee has been leading the legislation in this session because they've been dealing extensively with the regulation of cannabis, how we would sell it, um, and how we would tax it. And he did a great job on the floor today defending the bill. And hopefully before the end of the week, we'll be sending that to the Senate.
0: Delegate Luke Klippinger is the chair of the House Judiciary Committee. Delegate, Mr. Chairman, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, best wishes for the next five weeks of the session.
1: Thanks very much.
0: This is your public radio. Member supported 88.1 WYPR then WYPR HD1 Baltimore. WYPF Frederick, WYPO Ocean City.